Welcome to Thrones and Scones. It's your weekday morning podcast where we talk Game of Thrones over breakfast. The we is Tony, Hans, and Jeremy. I'm one of them. Here are the other two. Uh, you can figure it out for yourself. Today we're hitting season one, episode seven. You win or you die. And Raspberry Phil. Mm. <laughs> Good morning, boys. Welcome. Uh, welcome back again. Are you thoroughly sick of each other yet? No, not yet. Or family, so it just works. It's, it's all good. Yeah, I've been sick of him for a long time. <laughs> <Yeah>. Forever. <laughs> Thanks for adopting me into your hated uh, into your hated family or your family of hatred. I appreciate it. All right, so today, you win or you die is the title of the episode. Uh, we get a lot of awesome moments in this, but again, so much happens. We and we we miss so much just because we are are nonsensical people. So we've hit up the wiki. Here's the little rundown for uh, Season 1, Episode 7. Explaining that the future of the Lannisters is at stake, Tywin presses Jaime to be the man you were meant to be as they prepare for battle. Might not be that dramatic. Ned confronts Cersei about the secrets that killed Jon Arryn. Ooh. With the fate of the missing Benjen very much on his mind, Jon takes his Night's Watch vows. Though not with the assignment he coveted. Lol. After Ser Jura saves Daenerys from treachery, an enraged Drogo vows to lead the Dothraki where they've never gone before. And an injured Robert takes pains to ensure an orderly transition at King's Landing. This is hands down the episode with the most going on. I mean, not only are there so many crazy big plot points, but it's just like they hit you with haymaker after haymaker. This is a crazy one. Yeah. I agree. This thing, uh, this thing was a little intense for me. Because I mean, I do like that it opens with Tywin. So we've heard a lot about this Tywin Lannister, and mm-hmm. now we finally get to see who he is, and he's pretty terrifying, to be honest. He's a badass. I would. He's yeah. That is not who I would want as my dad. It's one of the uh, this this show, and I pride them on this, with the exception of Sean Bean. Um, in the first season, at the very least, they don't do a whole lot of recognizable people. Right. Uh, Charles Dance, I didn't know him from anything in particular. I know that he has been around for a long, long time. Um, he, he's in his element here. He is not only like you buy that he's smart and vicious and cunning, but like at the same time, absolutely ruthless. Um, in the way that like Viserys wants to be, but he's got the foresight to see it through. And from the the scene that we get with him at the beginning, which is I don't know two three minutes, he comes off every bit as uh, intense as he was built up to be. Yeah, I oh, was yeah. actually impressed with uh, with how much they could like how much they portrayed his character in that short amount of time, because even from that small scene. I feel like Jamie and Cersei should probably be even crazier than they are. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie is, uh, is, I always find a difficulty keeping up with Jamie because he kind of committed treason and then he kind of fled the capital and now he's not wearing his Kingsguard armor, but he's still in the Kingsguard. I don't know how any of this works. Yeah, and I think with, with Tywin, just the whole field dressing the cow as they're like having this conversation. And you can see Jamie's like, uh, I mean, we can, we can talk, you can do that later if you don't mind. We can talk about this. And he's like, that'll do, boy. That'll do. <laughs> I know that you, you get characters confused a lot. Just so you know, that's what a deer looks like. That's a deer? Oh, it looks yeah. like a cow to me. <laughs> yeah. Really? That's, I and I think giant. that that scene, 
giant um, cow is is legit. He is actually uh, dressing that deer. Yeah, yeah I mean that, cool. that's intense. I watched the. Uh, I I don't. This is only. I think this is the first time I've actually watched the After the Thrones little. Uh, video at the end of the show and they did say that they had to end up shooting that scene like 40 times or something and the whole time they kept redoing the stag skin (laughs) he had to keep re-pulling out the guts and everything and it was all real so and of course that's round two of the animal symbolism tywin cutting up a stag indeed and then also commenting right because jamie's like you know i didn't realize you care so much about Tyrion, and he's like he's like look if it's, if Lannister's at the end of this of anyone's name, he's like we will go to the end of the world, and I think that 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 symbolism really plays a huge role in the, in the future. So. It's so dope. It's very good, and I love that um, we finally start to get and because we talked about it, Jeremy and I especially uh, earlier last week about how Tyrion is really kind of supposed to be hated, and we don't get that vibe until Tywin is introduced. And now we get it not only from him, but from everybody who is around him. Like he just mm-hmm. kind of seeds this mm-hmm. hatred and it's, oh, it's cool. It's cool. It's really good. Um, and then, you know, the other thing with this scene that I thought was really interesting was, do you really think that Tywin sees Jamie's weakness as the love with his sister, with his twin? Or because he's like, you you can't be this boy that you are now. I need you to become the leader. I need you to become the king. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, I've watched your sister flail over here now. I even know in theory, I mean, it's going to happen. Right. Jo- Joffrey's going to become the king. But he's not satisfied with that because he doesn't feel. And, and that's where I think he knows Joffrey, yeah. you know, isn't that bloodline that of the king, and that's why the Lannisters have to be there. So I thought that was really cool. Do you think that's that brings up a good point? Um, do you think, looking ahead seasons at this point, that Tywin knows about Jamie and Cersei? Because when confronted by Cersei so long down the road, he acts befuddled and stuff, but you gotta think that he just doesn't want to know. Is he in the same place right now? Yeah, I think so. I think I think he suspects it. I mean I think with someone who's been that involved in all the houses has some of that knowledge and gets the power struggle there. And I'm sure he's seen like the glances and those things and the way they interact. Um, I think we'll, we'll see how that plays out in the sense of loyalty in the next couple of episodes as well. So yeah. Yeah. And he's so intelligent. I mean, Tyrion knows. Oh yeah. 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 I feel like there's no way he, there's no way he can't know. I think he's just in denial. Like this he's gotta be. I mean, if there's anything to be in denial about, I can I can relate. <laughs> yeah, twin cess. Twin cess is a little thing. It's a little hard for a father to swallow. It's crazy. So what did this you is all? Oh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say. So what do you think of it at the wall? Um, you know, so John is now. Mm. He's gonna take his oath. He's he's made his statement showing he's a leader, and then he gets told like, look, you're not gonna be one of the footmen. We want you to be uh, not a steward, right? Not a ranger. And I think that's actually builds his character even more where they're like, look, you know, you're we're we're setting you up to succeed. You have to grow out of this immaturity that we're still seeing. Yeah. Right. That kind of jump to conclusion thing. Um, and I thought I mean, I thought it was really good. Jump to conclusion, to put it mildly, is John really still this entitled when he has that moment? Like, it almost seems like the development that he's had where it's like, you're not, you're not your highborn self anymore. You're not better than these people. And he comes to terms with that and he starts to build these true friendships and these brotherhoods with all these people. And then the second they're like, John, 
to the stewards like without a second thought he's immediately not only super emo pissed about it but then like talk about it, like, oh am i gonna be changing his bed liners oh am i gonna be wiping his ass and he's like really and he even like, goes to say i'm better than all of you <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> he's like and everyone knows it so and and it's kind of the last super duper emo John Snow bit we get. So I kind of let it slide because I do really like John as a character going forward. But it's it's my least favorite part of the episode: the fact that all of this development seems like it was for nothing if they're just going to do it again. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think that they had to do something though because he deserved. I mean, he deserved to be a ranger or whatever like being a steward was kind of bullshit yeah well but they do explain it and then you get it that they're grooming him and everything yeah so i i have this i have this hunch and either this whole scene was just to set up this joke or this joke was uh an improv but it's my favorite line of the show i think it's like john's coming to terms with it sam's like he's grooming you for command and john's like i just you know always wanted to be a ranger and sam goes I always wanted to be a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> the whole season was just for this. Yeah, just for that one Which moment. leads into Harry Potter podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. Harry Potter cast. Harry. Um, yeah, and then so when we, I mean, we've known now we've seen that kind of transition now with the, the throne. We're talking about Robert. He went on his hunt, and then he finds out he's been injured by the boar, right? Everyone's always mm-hmm. warning Robert, look, you're a king. You don't need to be on a horse with a lance. You, you don't need to be hunting, putting yourself at, at risk. Not a lance. What's it called? Jousting, right? It's like, that's not a lance. Th- it's a lens. It's not a kingly thing to do. And what happens? He gets out there and he gets injured, right? Yeah. And and then we find out actually not just injured, but mortally wounded. Um, and this actually was one of my favorite scenes is because you see a man understanding the death is coming. He gets this. He knows he's dying. Smells of smells of death, right? And we didn't bring this up uh, as much last time when we were talking about, but I still think it's a it's a valid point. Robert loves Ned. Like that's yeah. his brother. And and that bond leads to a lot of decisions now we're seeing with Ned doing, I think, with his heart and not necessarily with his mind, which leads to a lot of things. Um, what did you think of, uh, of the conversation now with Edward, now that he knows what's going on with uh, John Irons, finding out that this whole twin cest leads to uh, Joffrey and, and we're not actually having the right heir on the throne? I mean, he he finds out and then promptly tells the queen, which, uh, as I said last yesterday, is just kind of where I think everything kind of goes downhill for Ned. Um, but then they just have this tense moment where Robert's dying and Cersei knows that Ned's not going to say anything because exactly. he's dying. Yeah. And what's he going to do? Uh, but they're just kind of looking at each other. It's uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome. Funny. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think the whole conversation with Ned and and Cersei, I get it. I, I get like I I don't think it was because the first reaction is why the hell would he go to Cersei, right? And, and I don't think Ned necessarily understands how much of a crazy crazy bitch Cersei really is. And I True. think I mean, and they play it off well enough where. Uh, he really was just doing it to try and protect her and her family, and he didn't want. He knew that they, Robert was gonna freaking have them all killed if that yeah. if he found out. So he was really just trying to protect him. I, and I don't. I truly don't think that he. Th- 
thought that she would do what she would do, you know. And it's so like we we want him not to do that because we know it's going to lead to him, you know, to his demise at the end of the season, to him dying. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> if he didn't do that, if Ned wasn't the guy to do that, we we necessarily wouldn't miss him as much. You know, he was that pure cinnamon roll, too good for this world. True, and uh, it's it's that reason that, you know, that it's such a pain when he goes. So if he became a little bit more dastardly and backhanded, it just, it wouldn't fit. So it hurts to watch, but it's got to happen. Yeah, that, that pure, um, pure raspberry filled scum. <laughs> <laughs> too dry and flaky for this world. <laughs> but with a warm, a, with a warm yeah. red center. <laughs> It fits in every way. In every way, exactly. That conversation also, to to quote uh, CinemaSins for a moment, uh, we get our roll credits moment of the series. When you play the Game of Thrones. <laughs> Ooh, Ooh, they said it! <laughs> you win or you die. So what do you think uh, was going on with, uh, with the actual end? What did you think of that scene? I mean, we have a, the buildup. We have the confrontation. We know that... Um, you know, Robert has passed now. We have uh, Ned coming up to hand deliver the last will and rights of the king, which is as, look, I'm the protector, and I'm going to kind of keep this together while we actually get the real heir, if you will, up. And he's, you know, he's had conversations. Multiple people have approached him saying, look, you know, there's other ways of doing this besides, you know, the right way. And he still sticks to his line. Um, and I think that that leads to an even more interesting point when he gets to the next episodes where he's constantly saying, look, you know, just, just admit he's king. If you just take the knee, because if you do take the knee, all will be forgiven, which we all know that's not actually going to happen. Right. I mean, like this family's never shown that actual kind of follow through. Um, but do you think he knows that? Do you think he realizes he's already in too deep? Or do you think that's a true betrayal? He's already because he's already sending his kids away. So he knows there's something's going to happen. Or do you yeah. think he actually realizes he's walking into the trap he walks into? I think it's that thing where he's got to make this move because he could have gotten out. He could have taken the Renly route and left, but he knew that it wouldn't end there. He could have gone with Renly and agreed to his plan Mm -hmm. and, you know, taken the preventative action, which wouldn't have been, or the preemptive action rather, which wouldn't have been Ned Stark, or he can do what he did. So I think it was just kind of his only option as far as his moral compass goes. Um, whether I, I don't think he expected to be betrayed like that, but at the same time, I don't know if he expected the plan to work, even if it had gone off. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he expected to be betrayed at all. I think, I mean, he comes in and you know, he's got the seal, he's got the note. I I think you can even tell by the way he goes about it, that he knows that it's going to be questioned and he knows that, you know, it's not going to be easy, but he definitely thinks that all those men are at his back. They yeah. even say going in, we got your back, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then he, he gives it to uh, Lord Barristan, right? Is, is what yes. It is. Uh, he gives mm-hmm. it to him. He says, you know, no one will question your, question your honor, does all the right stuff. And then Cersei just rips it up. Fucking badass. <laughs> Those were the king's words, your grace. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and I get where Barristan is at, but if he has such honor... Why does he just sit there and let all that happen? I don't, I don't really get it. He doesn't right, say that, anything. That, he doesn't stand up. He doesn't even, re- other than, those are the king's words. He doesn't even really yeah. question it. 
So well, as she said, you got a new king now. That's true. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. but that is that's the last will, right? I mean, that's what bothered me. And the same thing. That's what oh, yeah. the problem I had is like those guards are for the throne, not for an actual individual. So the throne is given the command, and yet it's just like, oh, no big deal. Yeah, done. Over. Yeah. Um, and then you know, obviously, uh, the ends uh, with Littlefinger holding the knife to <sighs> to Ned's throat, which. May bother you, but I I don't know. There's something about Littlefinger. We see some conversation earlier um, when he's in the, his brothel and he's commenting on how how he fights battles is a little different, right? He realized from a very young age when he was in love with Catelyn that he can't win via arms, but he has to use his mind and he has to essentially backstab his way through it. Pretty yeah. much telling everyone, like, look, I'm going to get what I want and I'm going to do it my way. It's it's just bittersweet, obviously, but it's it's so well played out. So I really enjoyed that. And, that was and talk up that. Speaking of that scene, talking about just a giant exposition dump, <laughs> like they just oh the 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 brothel, the brothel scene? scene where he's just uh. basically he's basically <laughs> just monologuing all yeah, this. I don't, crap. I don't know what that happened in that scene. Could you could you explain that? Yeah, to he's me? just monologuing all this crap over just the creepiest weirdest scene this random lesbian it's not even it's not even lesbian right because i mean they're they're just they're just well one female is playing the man so they're they're i mean it's kind of he's he's he's, whatever i don't know whatever that scene is just weird woman on woman and then yeah the very end of it he's talking he's talking it's just so and he walks up good (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was just the whole thing was creepy it's so creepy as for the end with little finger and this will probably be the only episode i ever say this involving him that's my favorite bit i don't like little finger when he's uh it's not when he's complicated it's when it doesn't make sense because I can't follow what his logic gets him. Here, I get it. I understand where he's going. I understand the favors this is going to grant him. I understand how he thinks this is going to get him closer to Catelyn, how it takes Ned out of the picture. I get his motives here. It's cunning. It's well played. And I hate him for it. But I, I was smiling a little bit at the end of the episode. Yeah. 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 I do want to take it back, unless anyone else has anything to say about the end of the episode. Uh, before we get there, one step back, I want to hear your thoughts on mm-hmm. the king's death specifically and uh, what you think about Ned not telling him. And what yeah. you think, my other thought thing that I thought was kind of goofy about that is uh, Joffrey seems like very distraught in that scene. And then the next scene, he's just full blown like being a dick. We know Joffrey can't contain himself, so I think that is a real big issue. Like, he doesn't love his father. He's seen death before, I assume, so I, I, I mean, maybe he's just shook up about the situation. Um, but I, I don't think that they've made Joffrey out to be, and I don't think they do in the future, to be anybody who would be able to act as he did in that scene. So yeah. either something has really got him teared up, or, or that's just an issue, like, in the script. Yeah, I didn't yeah. buy it. I didn't yeah, either. I, didn't I thought that was either. weird. I didn't, I didn't really understand that. As for why he didn't tell him, I think that goes back to what good is it going to do, right? His he's watching his he's watching his brother die in front of him, essentially, right? He's watching him pass away, and he's like, "Look, you're already in enough pain. I've already protecting you by writing the heir instead of writing, you know, Joffrey in there, and I'm going to continue to protect you because yeah. you don't you don't need to witness me destroying your family." I think I so that's why I think that leads to that as well. I think that that's ex- uh, that's exactly it. Yeah. 
So here's the thing. I have a question for you guys. I want to I wanna pose this to you. All right? Would you, if you were allowed to play Westeros God for a day, in this episode, would you kill Daenerys Targaryen if it meant, like, allow her to die to the, to the poison, if it meant killing Littlefinger before all this shit went down? So you lose Danny, but you potentially keep Ned, and you potentially remove Joffrey from power. Maybe. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think I think there's too many variables there. I think I think just even without Littlefinger there, Cersei at this point was going to get what she wanted. I don't think, think? I, I just I really don't think I don't think losing Littlefinger would make a difference. If the question was, would you let Danny go to to knowingly save Ned? Then probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I, I think this actually is an interesting point of do you think Ned would make a good king? Because I no. don't, I don't. Oh hell no! I don't, and I think that's 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 why I wouldn't kill Danny is because the chance that because Ned has shown that his inability to separate himself from his decisions, right? Like he has this moral compass, and if it's not along those things, he's he won't follow kind of through with it. And I think that's why I would argue that's why he didn't step on the throne in the first place. Well, I think, I think yeah. He, yeah. I think I think that's I think Renly says the best too, and even says whether this was intentional or not, kind of foreshadows that a bit, or or, or brings that question to light uh, about when you're starting to think that Ned may take the throne. That Renly says, like he says, well, do you even think soldiers make good kings now? You know, and and what we've yeah. learned, what the only thing we've learned so far, really, the biggest thing we've learned about Ned is that he's a soldier through and through, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and I think that uh, that was a good question to be raised. Yeah, Cersei yeah. calls him on it. Says you're you're born to follow, not to lead. And I don't. I mean, she says it as a slap, but I think he just is like, yeah, no. And it's, I'm going, and I'm going to complete my mission. Right. That's, that's literally what this is. This is completing yeah. a mission. <laughs> He's like the one guy in the whole series who, for better or worse, knows his place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. And then just before we get off of it, there was a lot that happened. I know it got overshadowed by some major shit, um, but Daenerys almost got assassinated. Jorah, who basically facilitated the whole thing, ended up stopping it at the end. And then we get the first real moment of Cal Drogo being an awesome character that we oh, yeah. want to like. He's not just this brute. He's not this rapist. He's not even this weird semi-consensual bedfellow. He is this badass screaming and dancing around a fire and blah, 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 blah. Like, oh, it's so good. I mean, he still is those things. <laughs> I was going to say, he <laughs> well, literally yeah, yeah. is all of those things. So I don't. But you yeah. add to his resume. <laughs> yeah, you add. <laughs> yeah, you push that stuff down the resume. You highlight the you highlight the good good stuff. Yeah, and uh, also in that realm of things, over in Essos, we get our second penis of the series. <laughs> it was a long. It was a good. It was a good long clip too. That was that was not just a flash. Was, no. Uh, you got you got a couple good solid bounces in there as he's trotting along. <laughs> yeah. So so how long do you think he lasts? How many miles? Was it, wasn't that the comment that the one guy lasted like nine miles being dragged? This I guy, mean, were, this guy's yeah, going were, down quick. He's already stumbling out of the gate, and yeah. he was stumbling. He was stumbling. Yeah, yeah. They, I think, this, I think he's I mean, done. Uh, filling our jugglies portion, though, at least, which is really what's important. So, <laughs> yeah. we, so we appreciate that he died yeah. for something good. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, it's funny too, Jenna just was watching this and she just goes 
what was the point of that? <laughs> why, why did they why did they have to show that and why did they have to show it for so long? <laughs> Are you saying that it didn't just uh, get her all flustered, hot and bothered? And isn't that what isn't that what ladies like? Images of dirty flaccid penises? <laughs> so that's that's my I- issue with the show. I feel like I feel like it's it's just having scenes for the sake of having scenes like that. The yeah. the sex scene earlier was just an a ridiculously over the top, primarily just trying to distract you from this exposition dump that they want to put down your throat, basically. And then, Good. And then I, they're just like, "Well, we had this ridiculously long woman on woman scene. Let's uh, let's throw a, let's just throw a penis in there for good measure, counterbalance that thing." <laughs> I mean, did it work? It was a great counterbalance. Kind of worked. I, yeah, I think everyone's happy. Let's well, let's balance ourselves, shall we? We balance the thrones with equal time for the scones. And today, Hans has a raspberry-filled scone. Is this a bad boy from Collecti, though? As well, it is. It is. And what do we feel about this raspberry-filled scone? It's decent. Very nice. Well, perfect. Guys, if you would like to hit up our social media, you know you can find us at Thrones and Scones, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can listen to us pretty much everywhere. You can find all those links up at thronesandscones.com or wherever you find podcasts. And we will catch you tomorrow for Season 1, Episode 8. You down with G-O-T? You know me. Yeah, you know me. It was a really good penis shot. I think the funniest part about it is that like they've really played him out to be like super tired and like kind of bloated, and so not only do we have this bouncing like penis, but like really the balls are so forward. Like, <laughs> you really get a good shot of the whole picture for a good two and a half seconds That's as true. he's just stumbling around, That's true. and it's like he's moving a lot. It's not really moving that it's, much. It's, like, it's sweat, right? I mean, it's like it's like it's all plastered together. <laughs> I always, see. I've always, be. I've always uh, appreciated the ball forward penis shot. You know I mean? Doesn't get enough credit. Doesn't get enough credit. Uh, <laughs> gonna go down for cinematography history right now. This is solid. Uh, this is a solid just, episode. I just, <laughs> I'm choking on my scone right now. It's so dry. I just like the idea that some, some like, director was in the back there. <laughs> More forward! <laughs> you think that they were like, uh, I just don't know if we've got the shot that we want. And they do like the, you know how women have that, like, cleavage tape that they can use to push it up? Like, <laughs> they propped up the balls, like, from behind. <laughs> They're just, it's like, it's like on the 30th Taken song, some guy's still just like, no, no, no. Get the, get the spritzer in. (laughs) It's so good. It's, it's so perfect. Uh. I I do think that Cal Drogo, he comes in and he's so distraught about his wife and his baby. He spends precious little time on the assassin guy. Like he, he does terrifying I mean, for a moment him, does, he? does he punch him i can't remember what he didn't he did. do anything yeah. to him nah no he just yeah, gets he's his just, face he's just tied him. up to That's the pole it. right yeah, yeah i thought yeah. for sure he was gonna burn <laughs> I know something. With, uh, with the land or with the uh torch when he was well he, and he grabbed it he 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 lost his uh his golden belt so what is he gonna do <laughs> now true.
That's true. Because they still, I guess they are still in Vice Dothrak at this point, so they can't shed blood. Oh, is that what uh, it is? That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, they're they're not allowed to shed blood inside their city. Didn't didn't recall that. Interesting. Um, so maybe I maybe guess I guess that explains it kind but of. But doesn't Viserys die? Oh, I, I didn't even. I I wrote it down. In the city. Yeah, but they don't shed blood because even Viserys comes in and says it when he's brandishing the sword. He's like, "Oh, uh, uh, Viserys." Brother of Khaleesi, don't do this. You don't. You don't know what you're doing. Uh, he's like, ah, they can't touch me. They can't shed blood in their sacred city. And then they just break his arm and melt his face. And I guess you know he doesn't bleed. 